Welcome to Philly Prime. I'm Dave Schratwise. We have a great couple of shows for you right now. Joining me is my old partner in crime, George Anastasia from MobTalkSitDown.com and former Boston mob captain Bobby Luisi, who got hooked up with the Philly mob in the late 90s, got himself jammed up by the feds, did his time and got out. He's doing well. He has a show of his own called The Bobby Luisi Show on YouTube. He was kind enough to have George and I on the show a few nights ago. We thought we'd return the favor and air that show here on Philly Prime. Right, I'm back with uh, David. I'm back with George, and uh, we're going to talk about this Boston Philly connection that everybody's so curious about. I promise you guys, I, I would do this show. So these are the best two guys. They're both experts from Philadelphia. You know that. So let's get into it right away, George, and and talk about this connection that I made down in Philly. Yeah, I'm. You know, David and I were talking about this before. You arrived in Philadelphia at a very interesting time in the history of the Philadelphia mob. There was a lot going yeah. on, and you kind of parachuted into the middle of some crazy, crazy stuff. And so, you know, tell us about Ralph Natalie and Joey Merlino. They were the two dominant figures, I guess, when, when you came down. And what was your interaction with them? Well, when I first came down, I had uh, I have a friend in Boston, Frankie Rossi, that did time with Ralph. And okay. when I was going through... What I was going through up in Boston and wanted to break away from uh, the Salami faction, um, Frankie kept suggesting that I go down to Philly and meet Ralph. So I went down to Cherry Hill, and I uh, met Ralph at Cherry Hill at the pub, you know, and I went down there twice and met with him down there. And from there, I met uh, Georgie Bergese, right. uh down in Delaware at a restaurant. You know, me and Georgie hit it off real good. And um, Georgie was, uh, I, I, I got I to gotta tell you, you know, he come with his baseball cap and his running suit. But let me tell you, Georgie was shop. You know, we had a lot of conversations together, you know. He's still wearing that, by the way. Yeah. Is he really? <laughs> yes, he, sir. And an Eagles yeah, jacket, me, mostly. Eagles jacket, too. Yeah. You, you know, I got to say this about Georgie and Joey. I mean, you know, from a kid, my father was a gangster. I grew up with gangsters in Boston all my life life you know i mean we're a different generation you know we wear sneakers and jeans at that time we're all running around in the street like kids but uh compare them to to a lot of the old timers i knew uh they were pretty sharp joey and georgie i mean that's what i liked about them you know and i and i liked how involved they were in what they thought about this because in austria you know and uh i seen a bond down there that i didn't really see in boston with Georgie and Lancelotti and all these guys together, they had a real good group. And you that's know, what you need to hold this together. Well, one of the things that, that people don't realize, for a lot of those guys, Georgie and Joey and those guys, they grew up on a corner together. I mean, they come out of the same neighborhood. So the bond yeah. the bond was almost beyond Cozen Austin. These were, these were the guys from, you know, 12th and Wolf or wherever, the, wherever their corner was. They were from grammar school and high school. So that went way, 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 way back. And that's what I think. I know. One of the reasons, if you look at Philadelphia, one of the reasons that particular group hasn't had a, an informant is that their loyalty to one another stretches predates the mafia, pre, predates organized crime. It's it's the neighborhood kind of thing. 
And I yeah, think that's it was. And, you know, and that that's the bond that you need to go forward in this. See, my, uh, you know, I made some of my cousins and my close friends. And right. it's important to have that around you. Joey had that reinforcement around him. He had uh, that wall around him. He had I'll guys that cared about him. Go ahead, Dave. I'll tell you a little story. Um, yep. One of them, I won't say who, sat with me in the past year, put his hand on my shoulder and said, if those guys, meaning the FBI, thinks they're going to get one of the guys from our corner, our circle, to flip on the others, it'll never happen. Take that I to don't the think bank. It will. And I got to tell you, I the funny picture, and George has seen it, yeah. the guys all coming out of the Criminal Justice Center in Center City, Philadelphia, after one hearing or something, Joey, Georgie, Marty, all the boys, and mm -hmm. they're trying to go back to South Philly, and a cab pulls up, and eight of them Trust climb into that cab, <laughs> sat on each other's laps, squeezed in next to each other, and we call it the taxi cab shot because it's the yeah. guys from the corner don't care if they sit on each other's lap. They're getting in the same damn cab together, and they're going back to South Philly from the courthouse. That's who those guys are, and that's exactly what George is talking about there. That loyalty goes deep. It does. It does. It's amazing. And, you know, I really, you know, they opened their, their, their family up to me, and they took me in, you know. And what happened to me uh, in Boston with the old crew that I was with, you know, it was, uh, it was bad. You know, uh, I got pitched with Joey. We know about that pinch. And uh, when I got pitched with Joey, I was facing 10 to 12 years. This was the Ronnie Previty. Right. right? Yeah. And I'm only, I'm only facing 10 to 12 years. And I'm in there with uh, an ex-partner of mine. I don't want to say any names, you know. And we were in the block together. He came to me and said, Bobby, did you talk to your lawyer? Because they said there's murder indictments coming down. So I reached out to my lawyer, and sure enough, they came back two weeks later that uh, they were ready to reindict me on a murder one charge, you know, which changes that whole pinch because a lot of the guys that I was with in Boston lined up against me, you know. And uh, But that's something we can get into a little later with the conversation. But what I did really had nothing to do with Philly, George. You know what I mean? I mean, those guys, uh, they took me in. I try to stay as loyal as possible I could to Joey and Georgie yeah. at the time. Well, I mean, Ronnie Previty came up to Boston and set up that whole drug sting. I mean, that's that's where you first got jammed up, right? I mean, Ronnie's up there with, was it McGowan, the FBI agent? and uh, the, the, the What happened, yeah. what, what happened, uh, all of a sudden, you know, Georgie comes to me, Joey, that this Ron Previty has a guy up in Boston. I didn't like Ronnie when I first met him. You know, uh, I didn't like his appearance. I didn't like his, I didn't like nothing about this guy. In fact, I kind of was on top of him a little, to be honest with you, with a few things, you know, because I thought it was bullshit that he was even made a captain and was able to talk to me. And first they try to get me to move in with some sports and some swag and these different things. And then, boom, they came with the drugs. When they first came to me with the drugs, uh, we were at a party in Center City for Joel and Gamby's uh, son. You know, and Ronnie approached me with this drug thing, you know, and I wanted nothing to do with it. But it kept being forced on me and forced on me, naturally. You know, everybody wants to make money, you know. 
And uh, Ronnie uh, ended up jamming us all up. Yeah. I really felt I didn't have a choice but to sit with him. You know what I mean, Judge? Yeah, and, well, and here's the interesting thing, and, and probably your, your people up in Boston don't appreciate this. Ronnie Previty is an ex-Philadelphia cop. Ronnie Previty is with the Stanford faction of the mob in the war against Marino and, those, and Natalia and those guys. And Ronnie, Ronnie Previty is the only major figure in the Stanford group that doesn't get indicted. Now, that, that has to be a red flag. When Stanford and those guys go down, Ronnie doesn't go down. And even he, I mean, I was a good friend of Ronnie's. Even he was amazed that after that happened, he was able to segue from the Stanford faction to the Natali faction, almost no questions asked. And, and he insinuated, It was ridiculous. Well, yeah, he insinuated himself into that group, and then he agreed to, to wire up. So now he's wearing a wire for almost two years. Now, you know, yeah. the, the, the guys in Joey's faction say, well, we never trusted him with blah, 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 blah. That may very well be, but you let him get close enough to you that he was able to help make several serious cases. And, George, why did they let him get close? You know well, why Ron, they let him get close? Because he made money. Ron, well, Ronnie said that. Ronnie said, the reason I was able to get close to Ralph Natale and Joe Molino is because I always brought them an envelope. Now, was it sometimes it was money the FBI gave him. Sometimes it was money from the different things he had going. But, I mean, that that's part of the story down here in Philadelphia that that maybe the folks in Boston don't appreciate. And and you, Bobby, you get caught in the middle of all of that. The dynamics of what was going on. I mean, it's, it's it is, it was an amazing story. Yeah. No, so, it, it, and listen, a bad cop got made by Stanford. Oh yeah. A bad cop. Right? I don't give a shit, but he was a cop. Yeah. You don't bring cops into four cars in Austria. Yeah. That's that right there. Yeah. I knew about this. You gotta remember, I'm sitting in Boston, Dave, Right, and I'm watching all this any bullshit that's going on, and I'm watching about Philadelphia and you guys. And if I even went down there, and I see Previty walking with Stanford, right? You know, right. that's a famous shot. I, I see all this going on. Then I go down there, and then I start to find out about this guy. Yeah. He escapes all those pitches. I don't know how, and then he ends up in Ralph's camp. Well, he's I mean, the one that put Ralph away. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Yeah. He jammed Ralph up with the with the mess stuff. Ronnie used to say that. He would say, I wouldn't have trusted me. I don't know why they trusted me. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Oh, I did. I didn't trust him. Yeah. And if you want to hear a funny story, yeah. uh, the time period you're talking about, I'm not in the news. I'm working as the director of communications for the attorney general's office in New Jersey. <laughs> right. And Get we, out of here. we subpoena <laughs> John Stanford to a grand jury at the Criminal yeah. Justice Center in Trenton. And that famous picture of Stanford walking with Salavina, his lawyer, right. Vince yeah. Filippelli, and Ron Previty, the picture you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. My office orchestrated that yeah. because you don't ever talk about grand jury stuff when you're in that level. But it was right. no secret, let me say that, no secret that those guys were coming to the grand jury that day. And, George, right. you know this. There were 12 camera crews there. Right. Yeah. Followed them from the parking lot into the – lobby of the CJC over there and here's the funny part Justin Dentino who was the colonel of the state police at the time stood in that lobby and stared Stanford, Previty, Avina and Filippelli down as they rode up the escalator to the second floor where the grand jury met and I stood right next to him along with some of my colleagues watching John Stanford and his crew 
go to the grand jury. And those are the pictures you see of them all together. And George, they were four pals right there. Yeah. And they were going to the grand jury together. That's, 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 that's sad. You're, you're in a position where you've got to deal with Ronnie because that's the word from Philadelphia. Deal with this guy. He's our guy. Well, yeah, let me tell you how it happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joey made him a couple. Right. So I grabbed Ronnie. We're at a party. I said, you're a couple. Where's your guys, bro? I mean, I'm a couple. I got a Dejean. I got a lot of guys with me, you know? Where are your guys? Who are these guys? I want to be introduced to them. You, you never introduced me to these guys. Where are they? Oh, don't worry. I got guys. So I know this is our bullshit already now. We're going through with this shit. Not, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Now he's coming up to Boston, right? Right. This Irish Mike, we called him. Right, McGowan. Now, you know, I had a big Irish crew in Boston. I, those are all my friends that were with me. I'm trying to find out about this Irish Mike. No one knows nothing about him. The ghost. My, yeah, my Irish guy says, Bobby, I, I won't go near this guy. So now I'm piling them off. You know, he called me one time. We had to sit down. Uh, Ronnie was there. I said, listen, if anybody bothers you guys, just tell them you're with the Luisi family. They'll leave you alone. You got a problem, get in touch with my cousin. I don't want to say which one. You know, and that was going to be his contact on my crew if he had a problem. That was the first introduction. Then they started with the nonsense. Furs, this, that. But I don't move swag. That's not my thing, you know. But they tried to get me. They were setting up a Rico, obviously, on me. That's what they were trying to do. Yeah. With the sports and everything, you know. When this thing came down with the drugs, I pulled all my guys back because I really believed that Mike was a rat. I didn't know he was an FBI agent. I actually had sit-downs in Boston with my guys. I was looking to clip Ronnie to stop all of this. If I clip Ronnie, then I would have had a problem with Joey. You would have you had the FBI, too, even though you didn't know it. I mean, yeah. you know. I did, well, I'm not thinking that deep into this. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm saying McGowan might be an agent. I don't know. But Ronnie, I know what he is. Yeah. You know? And thank God we never did nothing to either one. Yeah. yeah, but let me tell you, there was a lot of talk about Ronnie and Mike up there. They were they were both in a dangerous position there for a little while, yeah. with yeah. me. And then finally, I got pushed to the point that I had to sell them cocaine from Philly. I'll yeah. leave it at that. At that you know? and, and then you end up getting jammed up because that's I that's, got jammed up. Yeah, exactly. And what's your thoughts when you get when you when the indictment comes down and you're right in the heart of that thing, Bob? I'll tell you, I was sick because I knew, you know, they came and picked me up. And then Georgie had called my wife. And when I called home, I found out Joey, everybody else got picked up. Right. So every time we get picked up, everything changes. We know this. I'm off the street. I'm the boss up there. I'm the guy. They just pulled me off the street. I don't care if it's for 10 years, five years, whatever. You're off the street. And every time someone went off the street, we went right in behind them and took all this stuff. You know what I mean, George? Yeah. So I didn't know. I knew Joey would be all right with Philly with his crew because those guys are all loyal. You know, as soon as I went in, my cousins got in the gym. Uh, they ended up going away from murder. Uh, I lost Sean Bateri. Uh, he was pinched with me. And I just knew everything was going to fall apart. You know what I mean, George? Yeah. And that's what Ronnie did. And then after that, you say you got jammed up. There was talk of a potential murder case. 
coming up. Oh, there was one. Yeah. Well, there were several murders I was involved with in Boston. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, when my friend came to me, uh, we were in Plymouth at the time. When he came to me and told me this, when I reached out to my lawyer, luckily, Marty Boudreau was an AUSA out of the Boston office. He had just left there and started his practice in my lawyer's office. Right. I hired him for Bobby Garanti. Then he came down and told me when I told uh, my lawyer, Jack, about this murders that I heard about. He said, Bobby, listen, I can get you 10 to 12 on your case right now, but you're not getting out. They didn't indict you on this grand jury because they indicted you with the Philly guys. But the next grand jury, there is definitely one murder, one, that they're bragging how solid they got all your friends are ratting on you. They got you solid on the murder. It was like one out of three. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, what the indictment was over, who it was over. I wasn't sure until, until today who was actually ratting on me. I didn't know. But this come right out of an AUSA's mouth that I was gone. I was done for. I wasn't going to see light. Hey, Bob, can we ask you a question? This has been a uh, long time rumored here in Philadelphia that you were or your guys were involved in a homicide in Philadelphia, that they brought you guys down from Boston to do it. They gave you the supplies to do what you had to do. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but it's always been a thought down here in Philadelphia that you guys were involved in a homicide down here. Uh, well, you know, Dave, that's a little hard for me to discuss right now. I, I understand it. That's why I said you don't have to answer if you don't want to. And you, there's, you been have no to remember something. there's been no charges. Yeah. Yeah. You have to remember something. When I uh, did what I did, I really couldn't go through with it. Um, um, you know, I did a little talking, I'm not going to lie. But to, you know, be a rat and to sit on a stand against my friends in Philadelphia, I couldn't do it, Dave. I, I, I just couldn't do it. So negotiations broke down, which you know about, George, because right. you were around uh, yeah. uh, Ronnie, yeah. you know. And uh, basically the FBI in Boston had a bad hot on for me, you know. And uh, some of the things I did talk about with the murders up here, I, I, I guess I got away with, praise God. But anything past Boston or whatever happened down in Philadelphia, I really, you know, I got to okay. be careful what I say. Understood. I mean, as Dave mentioned, nobody's been charged. There's about, what would we say, four or five, maybe six homicides down here that have never been adjudicated. And that mm -hmm. always hangs over everybody's head down here. Every right. time New Rico, the question is, you know, is one of the old murders going to be in it? And the, right. Dave and I know from talking to people, the feds would love to resurrect some of those cases, but they haven't been able to do it. So, yeah. you know. And that's the primary See, thing we think George Borghese is worried about these days. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. doing anything currently that we're aware of is illegal. Mm -hmm. In fact, he'll tell you he's not doing anything illegal. We don't commit crimes. I'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore. Joey says the same thing. But I think they worry, as George just said, that little devil hanging behind them that might bring back one of these old murders and put that on them. Yeah, the statute right. of limitations never, you know, it doesn't apply here. So, yeah, it's always it's always out there. Uh, well, see, here's the problem with me even talking or saying anything. You know how the conspiracies are with the federal government. Yeah. You know, if I knew a guy that knew a guy that hit one of these guys, they're going to pinch me for it. Right. You yeah. know, it's just so scary to talk about it, you know, to bring these things back up. 
you know. But, uh, yeah, in Boston, they accused me of a few things down in Philly that I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Okay. How's that? <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of answers the question right there. <laughs> you like that? Was that I did good? like that. I did like that. Very nice. Yeah, that's done. good. That's good. Hey, George and I have been wanting to ask you, Bob. Right. Um, yeah. Go ahead. This segues good into this. Go ahead. George and I talked about this t- earlier today. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're all over the Gardner Art Museum heist here in Philly. George and I have done yeah. two or three mob talks about that, mob talk sit-downs. And yeah. we're always wondering, from a Boston guy's perspective, A, about that robbery, what you think about it, because it's a half-billion-dollar art heist, the biggest ever still unsolved to this day and you were mm-hmm. at least around some of the guys who allegedly were involved in it what's your take on that heist and do you think that'll ever get solved no i don't think it ever will i just did a show last week with um uh steve correction who was kind of the expert on that you know who steve is he's a great guy steve yeah mm-hmm. and i just did a show last week on that you know and to me right now, it's a bunch of conspiracy theories. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, 1992 or 93, uh, Bobby Garanti started coming around. He was related to uh, a May guy in the Patriarca family, you know. Uh, I hooked up with Bobby. Uh, we did a lot of things together, you know, that, again, we can't really talk about on the show. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Garanti was a serious guy. I'll tell you that. Very serious guy, you know, do whatever he had to do. Could he have been in there in that museum and robbed that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. What I think happened, and my thought on all of this, George and Dave, I think someone paid them to go in there to maybe get a certain piece of art, you know, and then they did what they had to do. And then they went a little crazy and just started taking everything they could, you know. Yeah, but I really believe something had to incite them for going in there. Why would you go in there with Rembrandt and all these beautiful works of art just to steal them and hide them? It makes no sense. Yeah. If yeah. someone comes to me and said, hey, Bobby, there's a Rembrandt in there. I'll give you 100000 for it. If you could get it out of there for me. Mickey, I'm going to go look for everybody to put this together. You understand? Yeah. But if I knew I could get in that museum to take a piece of artwork, just to have it, I, I couldn't do that. And I know Bobby Garanti, Bobby Gentile, and these guys, you know, it's about money. For Bobby to go in there, he had to get some money. Bobby and Donati, Bob, yep. he had to get some money, you know? And Bobby Gentile, Bob, um, you know, he's the only guy still alive who was allegedly part of that, although he vehemently denies that and his lawyer denies that. What's your thoughts about him? Well, Bobby, we called him the cook, Bobby Gentile was around me all the time. He was like a consigliere to me mm-hmm. with the things I was doing up. A shop guy, believe me, he was good old man and a bad guy, you know. Um, he never once mentioned the artwork to me. Never once. Never came up in a conversation. So when they come to me about him, I says, you know, he never told me anything, you know. There's stories that uh, Bobby Garanti's wife we called her Auntie, naturally. Auntie uh, told the FBI that Bobby Gentile had something to do with this. There was no proof of it. He denies it, you know. The FBI came to me and told me that uh, the artwork went through Philadelphia. 
Right. That's something else we've heard consistently. At least some pieces came through Philadelphia. It could have because Bobby Garanti's wife told the FBI that he handed some artwork to Bobby Gentile. Now, is that from the Gardner? Is that from another robbery? Is that something he was sitting on? I don't know. I really don't know. But up to 1999, there was no talk of artwork down in Philadelphia. And if it did go down there while I was on the street, I would have knew about it. Yeah. Well, this precious art now in somebody's garage or buried in the dirt somewhere? Or is it in some rich guy's den and nobody else is going to ever see it? I mean... I, you know, it's funny because uh, in this life, uh, let's say I send David to do something for me. David gets it done. Now, David could have took you and another guy with him. I don't know. I don't ask David these questions. Right, right. David, you did it. You took care of it. That's how I was brought up. It's done. Let's not talk about it no more. You understand? That's how we are. That's how we look at things. When Bobby Garanti was sitting on the couch... I had a beautiful place up in Walton, safe house. I had a shitload of safe houses, you know. <laughs> and we're sitting up there. We're on the couch. Miles Connor comes on TV talking about, and they're talking about the artwork and the gardener. And Bobby Garanti turns around to me and says, I know what the art is. It's buried under a slab in Florida. Oh, man. If I knew what it was going to entail, the money that it was going to be worth, I might have said, where is it? Let's take a plane right now. Oh, come on, we'll go get it. We'll go dig it up. We had enough money in the room. We'll go buy the house, wherever it is. Let's, let's go get this shit. But I had no idea. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't interested in it. And I dropped it like I did with everything else, Judge. Yeah. Let me ask you, you know this. what I mean? They, what I don't have to know, I don't want to know. I hear Let me ask you this. This is something else that's come, come up in later years. With the reward that was out there, $5 million, $10 million, a couple of guys just said to me, if anybody here in Philly knew where any of that was, they would arrange to collect that reward money. I, I just, believe that. Nobody's going to be jammed up. Nobody can be charged with the crime. If they knew, they or a lawyer would have come forward and said, hey, I can get you this. Give me the $5 million. I mean, do you agree with that, Bobby? It seems to me that's common sense kind of thing. Well, here, let, let, let's – there's two ways to look at this, George. Omerton, if something went through the guys down here and that little crew – in yeah. that tight circle, I don't care if there was a $10 million reward. I don't think they would say anything. That's just my opinion of those guys, you know? There's other people, $10 million, they jump on there. They give up their mother, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But you're not going to see that with, with, with Georgie, Joey, Lance, Marty, Steven. You're not going to see it. Yeah. Do I believe it went through there? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, know. funny story. When George and I did the mob talk sit down about the Gardner uh, art heist, yeah. I talked to Gentile's lawyer and he actually said, you know, if I could go find out where that's from, because no one can be charged in it right now. And I could get Bobby Gentile ten million dollars at the time. That's what the reward was. I get him the ten million. His family would be good for the rest of their lives when he passes on. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. told me. He had no idea. That's what the lawyer told us. So he has repeatedly said he has nothing to do with it, although I do believe those paintings were here in Philadelphia for a short period of time after you guys went to jail, mm -hmm. 2000, 2001. Uh, at least three of them passed through Philadelphia, 
and possibly through an art dealer in the Rittenhouse Square deal, Rittenhouse Square area who had connections in New York. That's the story I've been told here in Philly by guys who I would say could know, could know, not didn't know, could know. Again, let's talk again. Yeah. Chantel's a May guy mm -hmm. in the Philadelphia family. Right. And if that did happen, do you think he's going to say something? Nope. This guy's going to the grave with it. Sure. With the rest of his secrets. <laughs> You've mentioned this to me before. In terms of high-end stolen art, there's not a big market for that. It's not like you, you know you're ripping off some some security bonds and you can take them somewhere and unload them. It's a it's a limited market, so that's why Very I worry that maybe they went in to get one or two pieces and then they just got nuts when they were in there and took seven or eight instead. Now, that's now, what I believe happened. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do with this stuff now? You know, it's right. It's like you it's know? like the baby formula when in the primitive days when they were ripping off. Uh, Truckloads. Trailer loads of stuff down at the, the Delaware Avenue in Philly. They they robbed the tractor trailer load of baby food formula and they couldn't unload it. I mean, it, there's some things that there is just not a market. Or they couldn't a, even get rid of a, a Lamborghini, George. Remember that? Oh, yeah. It's the moment. yellow one. Remember that? <laughs> so I, I got to tell you a story. My father's crew made a score in New Hampshire. They robbed that guy for hundreds and hundreds of pounds of marijuana. The stuff was garbage. And end up rotten, and we end up getting rid of it. Yeah. Not everything is a score, Judge. Yeah. See. Yeah. You know, it's just not. It's just not. If it's baby food, drugs, it's not a score. Well, we're going to take a short break here, and I'm going to come back with parts of the show. So uh, stay tuned. You're going to enjoy the rest of it. Some great stuff from Bobby Luisi and George Anastasia, but there's more to come on our next show. So join us again on Philly Prime, and thanks for listening. 